Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. So now I I have the um, honor and the privilege to introduce our speaker today, uh, someone who I know a little bit about, um, just a little bit about, and you know, not only is he my brother, but he is one of the closest friends I have on the planet, and that's saying a lot because a lot of times siblings can be, you know, uh, fight more than they get along. We don't fight. We get along. We we do life together. We talk about the good things, the hard things, the, the things we wouldn't want to tell anybody else about. We are, we're able to share those stories, and I'm so um, proud of him, uh, of what, what God is doing in his life and ministry. Uh, he and his wife, Kristen, who is also here, and she's the sister I never had, uh, and they're just doing an incredible work. They pastor in uh, our hometown of in Logan County, and they have a church that is a life-changing church. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air. Hundreds of people come every single week uh, to, to be discipled, and their, their lives are being changed. They started a Christian academy a few years ago. Um, this year, before the school year started, uh, they had bought uh, a building and had to get it renovated before school started because they had ran out of room at the church. Uh, this thing is growing, and, and day number one of school, they had already maxed totally out with tons of, of students on their waiting list because parents all over Logan County and beyond want to get their kids in this academy. And so they have a pastor's heart. They have a heart for education. They're making a huge difference. And it is such a, a great honor uh, to introduce to you. And I, I want you to help me. I want you to stand and welcome to this platform, my brother. Come on, Pastor Scotty Dingus. Let's give him a Bethesda welcome today. What's up, Bethesda? So good to be in God's house today. Amen. Pastor Chad saying all those nice things. I keep looking around. I said, he's still talking about me. I mean, just... Y'all can be seated today. What a, what a place of favor. You all have so much favor on you here at Bethesda Church. And, um, you know, he bragged on me a little bit, so I get to brag on him a little bit. And uh, I promise you, we didn't pay each other to do this. Uh, but I am honored to call him my brother. We, he tells you the truth. We get along really well. Uh, we're pretty tight. And um, I, what's really cool is where I'm pastoring in our hometown, I get to still talk to people he roomed in college with. So they go and they view you on live stream. They probably, some of them watch every week. Uh, so they attend here, I guess, on live stream sometimes. And but anyways, I tell them that Pastor Chad is so influential just not here uh, in White Sulphur and Lewisburg in this area, uh, in this region, and also in West Virginia. But nationally, people bring him in to preach and fly him in at these big conferences. And he is just one of those guys that God has raised up with a voice. And I am so proud of him and Pastor Karen. And, yeah, give them a hand today. Celebrate your pastors. You can't say that about many people, and, I, and I'll just tell you, within our organization, it's one of those things that it's, it's not, it just doesn't happen. 
uh, for many people. And your pastor, it has definitely happened for her, and I am proud. So when I get to see those things come across my social media feed, I am just like absolutely thrilled and just celebrate and I love you Chad appreciate you and love what you're doing here at Bethesda every time I come here I'm just amazed what a miracle Bethesda Church continues to be but we love you guys thankful is yes my wife is with me today she is definitely the better half of this relationship my son Ethan was with us yeah go ahead and give her a hand today My son Ethan was with us in the nine, and he's somewhere with Zeke somewhere right now. I don't know, Chad. They're like best friends. They talk every day. So it's like uh, we only got one. Chad, he overdid himself. He went and done three <laughs> three kids, okay? We had one. He's the Alpha and Omega. So he, he basically just joins with Chad's kids and with family. But let's bless the word of the Lord today, and we'll dive in. Father, we thank you so much for this word. God, we just ask you to bless this moment. Hide me behind your cross. Let every word I speak be from your throne. Let revelation knowledge, God, flow in this service today. God, I ask you to bless your people. Open up our hearts. God, touch us, change us. Let us be eternally changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we, you guys have been in this series, Fortified, and I want to continue that today. It's uh, I got to listen in on Pastor Chad last week. He's done an incredible job talking about fortifying your mind. And, and let's look at this word again today on fortified. The definition is to protect or strengthen against attack. Surround or provide with defensive military works to furnish with a means of resisting force or standing strain or where to make strong, impart strength or vigor to, to increase the effectiveness of, as by additional ingredients, to strengthen mentally and morally. Now, today we're going to look at fortifying our faith and fortifying our Christian walk in radical prayer. And this is going to be a little bit different today as far as a form of prayer. I, this is a message God had given me uh, several weeks ago. And, and when Pastor Chad asked me to come speak, and I'm like, man, I believe I can help you out on that series. God's given me a word, and it fits right in with this. And as far as fortifying our faith in our relationship with God, we know that prayer is very important. There's people that I have met over time that are really, they know the Bible. They know Greek and Hebrew, but they really don't know God. They'll, they'll come to you. I think some of the most dangerous people in our times are people that know the Word of God, but yet don't know Him. And, and that is a very dangerous place to be because then there's no revelation or uh, knowledge flowing out of their life. And they, 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 they take the Word of God differently than when the Spirit of God is actually speaking to them. Uh, and showing him and illuminating scripture. And there's two ways that God manifests himself in our life that we see through obedience. There's extreme favor. It comes up on people that's obedient, but also through our prayer life. And the way we look at prayer today is going to be a little bit different than just praying. You're like, man, I don't know about prayer. I'm not a prayer warrior. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be for me. I'm telling you, this is one sermon on prayer or message on prayer. I believe you'll take it to heart that it's for everybody here today. But God manifests himself definitely when we pray. The Bible says that we entertain angels unaware. In other words, that angels see our free will. And they're like, man, look at them worship or look at their life of faith. Look at their prayer life. 
But also, as we entertain angels unaware, we have to understand that well, there's fallen angels, which are demonic forces, which I know your pastor's taught on you, taught to you well, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and rulers of darkness, all those as well. But when we begin to pray, we begin to push through those spiritual atmospheres and we see the presence of God enter a realm and we experience freedom in our lives. And one way we go to war like that is through a prayer life. And today as we're talking about radical prayer, this is the type of prayer that you don't walk by your senses, but you walk by faith. Our senses can lead us astray many times. That in fact, our senses, we got to get away from our feelings many times and know what we believe. Our feelings will cause us to doubt, have anxiety, and have fear. But when we know our faith, and we go by what we know, and we are moved by what we know more than what we are feeling, then that is the Word of God and the Spirit of God at work in our life. What I know is His Word. What I know is if I put His Word to impact or effectiveness in my life, and I begin to speak His Word, that it begins to work for me, and it's the same with prayer. And radical prayer is the kind of prayer that I really believe shakes hell. It makes hell nervous. How many wants to make hell nervous today through prayer? And I really believe it makes the devil nervous and every principality and power nervous when we really begin to pray radically. And this kind of prayer is filled with specifics. It is backed by boldness and faith. It's faith-filled prayer that has boldness. And this kind of prayer, it changes the atmosphere of your life. In the Greek, that word radical means rooted. You know, the English language is messed up. I'm still trying to learn the English language. I don't know about you, but I'm still trying. You know, when we use the word hope in the English language, you invite me to go somewhere. If I don't want to go, I tell you I hope to be there. Right? I hope to be there. That means 80, 20. 80, I'm not coming. 20, if I don't got nothing else to do, I'm coming. All right? And this word radical in the English language is like a wildfire. It's extreme. Everything today seems to be extreme. I believe extreme things are taking place today, and radical things are taking place, and, and radical measures are put in. And with that, I believe that we need to be radical people, but not like they are, because radical in the English language is like an extreme word. It's like a wildfire. And everything you see, whether it's sports or the news media, everything, you got to be over here, way over here, or you got to be way over there. And, you know, it makes it drives us all crazy. And, and, and there's got to be balance to things, and we know that. And the Word of God tells us there's got to be balance. But when you look at this word rooted in the Greek, it actually, or radical in the Greek, it means to be rooted. And it means to be radical is to be rooted into something to which is reflected in the life that we live. So I believe we should have such a lifestyle in Christ that others can see that we are living for Him. In other words, unashamedly living for Him and living a life that's rooted in the Christ. But prayer works for us. It should be part of our life. Prayer is the very vehicle that moves the hand of God. It is the engine behind it. I mean, there's some things God's just not going to do unless you pray. I know God's sovereign. I understand the theology of that. God can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. But also, it, it is scripturally correct to know there's some things that will not happen for us in this earth unless we pray. I have people come to me in these conversations. I don't know why they come to me. Because I, I don't know, I'm not the best with handling it. I try to be easy, and then when I'm really easy and Kristen's there, then she's the one that really lays it out in boldness. I'm like, okay, she, what she said. But, you know, I'm really good at sometimes telling them, you know, hey, there's some things 
that works for us when we put it to work. And a lot of people really have bought into this theology that God's going to do what he wants. There's nothing we can do about it. It It's just such a lie of the enemy. The Bible tells that we have not because we ask not. The Bible lets us know that there is an effective, uh, effective and fervent prayer of a righteous person. In other words, that it's an active prayer, that it's effective, that it begins to change things. There's some things in the earth that doesn't happen unless we pray. In fact, Jesus said, pray in this manner. He said, you don't have to use these words verbatim, but here is the, the form of prayer, a map for you to go by. And he was talking about the Lord's Prayer when the disciples said, how do we pray? He said, you know, you approach the Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. In other words, start with worship. When you know how to worship, then you will enter into prayer. And there's something about worship that makes prayer easy. And he told them that. And then the very next words is what is just a game changer is he said, listen, you need to pray as things are in heaven, let them be in the earth. So you got to think about that. In heaven, there's no sick people. So we're going to pray heaven and the earth for people to be healed. In, In heaven, there's no one walking around with fear and anxiety. That's why we need heaven to hit the earth. So, Father, kiss us with heaven upon the earth. We may not have complete heaven on the earth, but there's moments that he manifests his glory in such a manner that anxiety and fear and sickness and unbelief and unhealthy things begin to leave and bondages are broken because we pray heaven on to the earth. So prayer is important to God. It's important to him. He's made it a manner of importance in Scripture. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 16, talking about God, it says, He saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. So the God that created heaven and earth, created humanity and placed humanity in the earth, was shocked and amazed that people wasn't praying in this time. He's like, there's no one to intercede. I, I'm looking for someone, but I am amazed. You mean we, we, we have amazed God. In this scripture, he said, I'm amazed. I, I want, I'm in wonder. Then it says in Mark 5, 5 and 6, talking about Jesus. Now, he could do no mighty works there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So if God the Father can be in wonder and amazement and Jesus could marvel and be in amazement, one because no one would intercede. The other one because people did not believe. See, Jesus did a few things in this place of miracles, but yet there's some things he couldn't do because of the unbelief. So if God wondered and Jesus marveled due to a lack of faith and a lack, lack of prayer, that lets me know that God could do that with us today. So radical prayer would be a bold, faith-filled prayer. Not a cute prayer but a bold, faith-filled prayer. Fortifying our life in Christ would be filled with radical prayer. Placing deep roots in prayer only strengthens our walk with God. And looking at radical prayers from Scripture, there's so many to talk about, but I believe that the most radical prayer would be one that would change us. I'm serious when I say that prayer, yes, it changes the atmosphere, changes things around us, but more than anything, prayer changes us first. See, prayer will not just change the atmosphere or situations, but it changes us. Why do we pray? Well, Jesus said to pray. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing in his writings. Writers all through the Old Testament, New Testament, we find that there was prayer. If God did not want us to pray, he wouldn't talk so much about it. So he wants us to pray. He wants us to be mindful of prayer. 
You know, I, 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 when I'm by myself, I'm really radical in prayer. I, I act cute in front of you folks and other people. I act like I got it together so you don't think I'm crazy. But when, when I'm by myself, I'll open up the Bible. I'll quote Scripture. I'll remind God of His Word. I mean, I'm declaring things. I'm praying in the Spirit. I mean, I'm doing all those things. When my German shepherd was alive, he would follow me around the house and finally get tired. I would pace around the bar in the kitchen, go up and down the hall. I'd be just declaring things. And that dog, Bruce, would just sit there and finally look at me like, he don't want nothing to do with me. I don't even know who he's talking to. And maybe he did. He's like, yeah, yeah, God, you, he needs more of you in his life. I, I see how this guy really lives. You know, but prayer will not just change the atmosphere or situation, but it changes us. And today as we dive into fortifying our relationship with God through radical prayer, some of you will be conflicted maybe by the end of this service. Do you really want this? I'm serious. This is not a lie. This is kind of heavy today. We try to downplay prayer until there's a huge need, need in our life. And then when there's a huge need, I've had people tell me, I don't know if prayer works and and these same people will text me when something happens in their life. I'm telling you, the same people a week later. They'll say, will you pray about something with me? I'm like, you just told me last week. You don't even know prayer works. But, yeah, I'll pray with you. That means you believe in prayer because now there's a desperate need. But I want to talk to some people today that doesn't wait for the desperate times to happen to pray faith-filled, bold prayers, but you will pray them even before desperate times happen. Radical prayer is placing yourself so deep in God that you trust God to make yourself vulnerable to change. We need to make ourselves vulnerable to change. We won't even, you know, there's things that maybe we'll be vulnerable with people with, but when it comes to God, why won't we be vulnerable unto God? I mean, our Creator, He knows us better. The Holy Spirit knows us better than we know ourselves. Why, he already knows everything, so there's nothing to hide. The psalmist said, I make my bed in hell, and you're still there. There's nowhere to hide or get away from you. I can run to the ends of the earth, and God, you're still there. So there's nothing to hide. Why not be vulnerable to the living God? If we would be honest with ourselves, we need to change that take place in our lives. We really do. There's always room for change. There's always a time in my life, God, there's more you can do in me. See, radical prayers do not play it safe. Safe prayers. What's safe prayers seem like? Well, God, let there be no traffic today. And you know there's going to be no traffic. But you pray, and then you look, look, my God, answer the prayer for me today. You know, I'm just, I'm just being funny. You go to Walmart with no one else there. God, give me a good parking spot. Give me a good parking spot. And you're like, you see 10 of them already open. <sighs> safe prayers. Let there be no chaos today when I go home, you know. Let the kids be acting right. So if mama's happy, everybody's happy, all that stuff. You know, let their do safe prayers. God, give me favor today. Let me be blessed. And I mean, safe prayers. Why not pray something that's not so much safe? What do you mean? Anything you can make happen with your own hands or someone else can make happen for you, for you would be considered a possible safe prayer. We need to pray things that we know when it happens that God had all his fingertips upon it and his fingerprints all in the mess. We need that type of prayer to happen. See, two things I want to challenge you with today in radical prayer, and the first one is this. Radical prayers do not limit God. You know, my boxes, when I have them, they're, they're always too small for God. Anytime I have any type of box, and, and, and we don't even know it sometimes when we build boxes, in our minds, our mindsets that just limit God. I want to look at a scripture out of Psalm 78, how the children of Israel limited God. 
which turned God in a God in the grieving for a moment. And it says in verses 40 through 43, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. Again and again they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. It said they did not remember his power. They did not remember his miraculous signs in Egypt. Here we find in the power of prayer can happen it makes God limitless in our life. But the children of Israel had forgotten about how God had rolled back the Red Sea. When you read Psalm 78, it talks about him rolling back the Red Sea, how he clothed them and their clothes did not wear out. It talks about all of these awesome miracles that God did. And it said that they forgot all that God had done, and they forgot about his miracles and his power. So this grieved God because they limited God. When you forget about the ability that God has to move on your behalf, then it limits God in your life. We limit him with the words that we speak. See, your prayer speaks about, and what you say in prayer tells you and God what you actually believe. Whether you really believe it or not, or your prayer could just be babblings. Jesus talked about that, saying all kinds of things to God, but your heart not in it. I've said those prayers before. Let's just get this prayer in. And, you know, it's just horrible. I mean, I've been there. I've done that. But then when we really need God, it's no longer babblings. It becomes, God, I'm desperate. I need you. But don't wait for the most desperate time in your life to pray those faith-filled, bold prayers, declaring specifics of what you need God to do in your life. Even Psalm 23, or Matthew 23 says this, after Jesus rode through the town on the donkey, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they limited him. It says, how often have I wanted to gather your children as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Jesus wanted to be there for them, but they would not let him in. This is the time when they were saying Hosanna. It was the week before the cross. They was all praising him, saying Hosanna, but it was shallow worship. I mean, when it came to the cross, they were saying crucify him a week later. He said, listen, how I wanted you to be right next to me, close to me, but you wouldn't let me. We stiff-arm God many times. You know, we've had wounds in our life and hurts. I'm a counselor. I do counseling. I don't advertise it, but I help people out. But I can tell you when someone comes in whether or not they have a stiff arm really quick because of past wounds. I can call it out quick. They've been abused, whether it's emotionally, physically, sexually. I can tell something's going on. And sometimes the Holy Spirit discernment, but then there's times I can tell they're not ready to be vulnerable yet. They're not ready to open up yet. And many times we come to God, and though he knows everything about us, we see it or will not be vulnerable enough to let him absolutely fully come in. So we still yet walk around with wounds, and we still yet walk around with just issues and problems and things from our past that we've not let go of yet. See, we limit God by the, by, in prayer by our lack of confidence in God's ability. And we limit that by being how close we are to him. You know, it's so simple. When we talk about prayer, a lot of people turn it off instantly because they automatically say, well, I'm not good enough. If your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and you know you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, then you do realize that you're good enough for anything that the Word of God says that you can have. 
So don't you dare leave here today and say, well, I'm just not a prayer warrior. I don't know how to pray. Listen, if you'll just talk to God from your heart, tell him how you feel, no matter how you think it sounds, it's you being real with God. That's called prayer and being real. And he said, if you'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. He's just simply saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to be close. Just take the limits off. Do you realize that God pursues us way more than we pursue him? We're like, well, you know, i got to pursue God. We think that God quits pursuing us after we get saved. That's not true. He's still hard-pressed after us, pursuing our life. So God wants that relationship. He wants us to talk to him. See, God wants to show us the larger and the greater in him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So we can read this scripture the first half, and we're like, you know, it's not meant for my eye or my ear to, to see it or to hear it or even enter in my heart and stop. But that's not true. God wants us to know his secret things. The closer you get to someone, the more you know about them. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to know he loves you, that he's behind you 100%. If God be for you, who can be against you? My God, everything may become crashing in, but it's our God that raises up his standard when the enemy crashes in like a flood, that he raises up a standard and says, no more, you can't cross this way. This is my beloved. This is my son, my daughter. This is my children. This is who I've called on my behalf. This is my blood bought. He said, this is mine. That is his love for us. God loves us that much. See, we need to stop limiting him in our prayers. One of the first messages I ever preached as a pastor to three people, to three people. I believe it was my first message. It was definitely my first series. To three people I preached in Psalms when God told us to ask for the nations. You mean you got up and preached, asked for the nations to three people. Well, that's what I started out with. I actually started out with four, but one person got mad, left. After I got to 20 people, one other person left because the church got too big. That's how I started, small beginnings. But I was preaching, ask for the nation. If God tells me I can ask for the nations. See, I believe, yeah, they all may not come to Logan, West Virginia, but I can see it dig wells in Africa and preach in Africa. I can still see Jews return back to Israel and touch lives there. I can still see people by sowing the sea minister in New York City on the streets winning children to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that if you got boldness to ask for the nations, then the nations will come to you. I'm talking about faith-filled prayers. The Bible talks about praying heaven and the earth. And I believe we take the limits off when we begin to do that. We're just asking God in a moment to manifest his glory on something that we know within ourselves we cannot complete. Matthew 27, 2 says they bound Jesus to take him to the cross. We do not need to bound Jesus from doing big things for us. I know this was a physical bounding, them taking him to the cross, but we do bound Jesus. We bound him in the way we limit him in our prayers. He's like, I, I, I want to do all this for you. But we simply need to believe and speak what we desire him to do according to his word. 
See, it was Abraham praying to God over Sodom and Gomorrah, and after God did not see ten righteous, of course the city was destroyed. But it was Abraham that stopped praying. God went from 50 to 40, 30 to 20, 20 to 10, and then Abraham's like, all right, there's not ten. I quit praying, so the city's going to be destroyed. I believe with all my heart if Abraham would have went down to five, God would have searched the city. We limit God in what we pray. I want to challenge you today to take the limits off and begin to believe God like you never have and pray specifically faith-filled, bold prayers that you know within your own flesh you can't complete it yourself. Ask God to do gigantic things. Right now I'm asking God to do gigantic things. People ask me all the time, what are you going to do about this school? It's, it's blowing up. I mean, we've already packed it out for next year again. We increased enrollment. We have our local college is 80% online. They got all these rooms. They're like, we're going to give you some rooms at our college. We hear, and they can do some free college here. ECA is what they call it with a grant and get an associate's degree before they graduate high school. I'm like, that's great. And we're going to give you some free classrooms to do that. No charge to you. Even with them doing that, i got 100 people on a waiting list. I'm telling you, ask God for the nations. Ask him for big things, and big things will happen. But still, people's like, I'm, I, I tell them a waiting list is a good thing, right? If you go to buy somewhere to eat and no one's waiting to eat, you're like, that may not be a good place to go. So I'm like, it's a good thing for advertising, but we do got a problem that we got to deal with. So I'm asking God right now for gigantic things. The Bible says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. It's Luke 1, What we pray to God reveals what we believe about God. We limit God by not praying. We have not because we ask not. And sometimes we got to ask God over and over and over for something. Nine years, I prayed one thing to God, and it came to be. I knew it was meant for me to pray, and I knew it was meant for God to do it. But I also knew there's principalities and powers not wanting me to see it. I know there's a lot of darkness that does not meet the eye of principalities and powers fighting against that need. We went there to pastor in Logan. Everybody told us not to go to Logan to pastor. When I was going there and putting my name in, some people found out, they're like, dude, you are losing your mind going there to pastor. What are you thinking? They're all older. I was 29 years old. I had no gray hair. had a little bit, my receding hairlines went back a little bit since then, the last 13 years. That's because of age. It's been good to me. Church has been good to me. But I can remember it was one need I kept bringing to God. I said, God, we, we, finances would grow. It was okay, but it was like always a strain. It's like always robbing Peter to pay Paul, that type of thing with the funds. And I'm like, God, one day you're going to break this thing loose. I said, we have all these people coming here. The money's here in the house. It's here. So I would never, like, get on. I would never, ever say anything to the people about it. I would just preach giving, speak generosity over and do all those things. But God said, in the ninth year I prayed for on the certain fast because I never gave up. I said, God, I bring back. And every year I bring it back as a top of the list. God, I bring back to you this need. You want to do so much more at Logan. And God said, this is the year, year nine, because I did not give up. I did not put a limit on it and say, this is just where I have to be. Sometimes we think we just have to live this way, whether it's with a wound in our life, with a past embarrassment that we've had, or regret that we've had, or some type of need that has never changed. We think, I just got to live with it. Listen, I serve a God that can take the limits off, and that can remove everything. Kristen was cooking this day, which is a good day. She's a great cook. She's a chef. She's cooking. 
I'm back room. I'm praying on this fast. Back to the list, top of the list. Ask God about it. God, you promised this is what you would do. God said, I'm going to do it this year, but it's going to come at you sowing $1,000 seeds from your church fund everywhere I say. I'm like, oh, uh oh, okay, that sounds cool. It's good. That's good. They didn't even ask the church board. I just started writing checks. I would text them, hey, wrote another $1,000 check. I was waiting for them to stop me, fire me, stop me. I just put them on a text, hey, $1,000 here, $1,000 there. And they're like, it's good, Pastor. I'm like, is it really? Okay. So I just kept doing it. The last $1,000 seed that I wrote before the theme just absolutely broke loose. It's crazy. It makes no sense. It's a miracle. I was at this place. This guy was preaching. I was bored to death. It was not Pastor Chad. I don't want you all to think that. Pastor Chad, great preacher. All right? I was bored out of my mind. Could not wait to get there. Sitting there on the end of the row is like on a pew, and I'm leaning, and I can't wait. I'm just inching. I'm like just rolling out spiritually. All right? And then God said, and that guy started, talk, started talking about taking up an offering for this certain ministry. And the Holy Spirit said, write him a $1,000 check. I said, now i got to sit in here and listen even more. But I, I, we wrote another check. And I said all that. That was in June of that year. But that July, something broke loose that didn't make sense. When everybody should have been taking their money to Disney, to the beach, and everywhere else. And from that day on, our church has seen this burst of financial favor like we have never seen. I never limited God. I never gave up. Was I frustrated? Was I mad? Was I agitated? There was times I was. But I said, I'm not giving up on bringing this request. I'm making it known to God, and I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep asking because my God will always give even more abundantly than I could ever imagine or think according to his power and his spirit that lives in my life. Like, this guy, he, he's, he's radical today. Well, we're talking about radical prayer. But the second one today, and the last one is this. Radical prayer will pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Now, this is the tough one. This is the one you might say, okay, I'm all about this taking the limits off, but I don't know about this one. Recall the first time I'd done this, I was 21 years old, and young preacher went to his revival God already was dealing with me I just had this extreme hunger for God and, and I'm like God whatever it is you want to do and, and my prayer became God what whatever breaks your heart break my heart whatever you want to do in my life just do it take out what you got to take out put in what you got to put in break everything you need to break and God literally did that I mean I, I'm talking about I didn't eat right for days I didn't sleep good for days I had an ache and a burden on my life like I never had and there's been times God's done that in the ministry since and other times and seasons. But God gave me a burden for ministry like I've never seen. For people to be healed. For people to be saved. For people to just be changed in our life. See, this part of the prayer that God that has brought to us is a change in our life and a change through his presence. I was grieved and burdened, but all to say, I know it sounds awful. You're talking about you prayed, so God grieved and burdened you. I'm out. You know, that's what we're thinking. But at the same time, there was such a freedom and joy in my life in these moments that I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's such a freedom Why you're feeling that that you're like, I wouldn't want to be under any other weight than the weight of God's presence on my life. That type of burden, that type of ache. Please know this, that when we pray this, even through feeling what God feels, that we're going to have such a peace that is absolutely incredible. There's nothing safe about this prayer. Talking about not having safe prayers. When you ask God to do it and you mean it, listen, God's going to do it. It's life-changing. It's a fresh breath of air. 
It'll change your household. It'll change your family. It is a prayer that I need God to wreck me in order for things to happen sometimes. Jeremiah in the Old Testament is an example of this. He was known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was a guy that get up, he would just weep and wail and proclaim the word of God. But his heart broke for the things that God's heart broke for. Jeremiah was known for expressing the heart of God. It was a time in Jeremiah's life that he was prophesying that the widows would have been mistreated. They was taking their newborn babies and just sacrificing them unto false gods. They were abusing the poor and taking advantage of the poor and God's heart was wrecked so when God began to speak to Jeremiah and Jeremiah was like God whatever you want me to do whatever you want me to preach I'll do it then God told him what to preach and Jeremiah said I don't know if I want to preach all that but as Jeremiah's heart began to ache and get wrecked that he could not speak without weeping because he was expressing what God was feeling Jeremiah would get up and say things like this in Jeremiah 8 and 18. He said, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? He was speaking what God felt. He said, listen, God was saying there is healing. There's spiritual healing. We think that a lot of times we've got to fix all these things, but really what we need to fix is a spiritual, a spiritual issue. Because it begins to break us first and it fixes everything in the natural because it's not really a natural problem as much as it is a spiritual problem. You want to fix Washington, it's a spiritual problem. You want to fix our politics, it's a spiritual problem. You want to fix our news media and figure out what's the truth or not, it's a spiritual problem. Until the spiritual problem is met, then we're not going to see this great nation of ours turn around to what it needs to be. Jeremiah was crushed and hurting for the people of God for they had been abused. Jeremiah's weeping and praying, is there no healing for the wounds of the people? Jeremiah preached on fire a message of confrontation, of repentance, not popular messages. He was preaching change and restoration. And you know what? 52 chapters of Jeremiah preaching the book of Jeremiah, not one recorded salvation, but he did not quit preaching. Then you had the book of Lamentations. Same thing. He goes on lamenting and weeping and crying out. He had messages that, man, they were hard to preach. I like preaching those fun messages. Make you happy. Shout. Leave. Man, that was good today. But when you begin to preach these prayer messages, God breaks my heart for what breaks yours. It makes us all in the room feel uncomfortable. But maybe it's the uncomfortable place that we need to be. See, Jeremiah didn't play it safe. Safe would have been ignoring the heart of God. Safe would be denying a life that is willing to be inconvenienced. This would mean Jeremiah would now hurt as God hurt. And he would ache as God ached. And Jeremiah was so touched by God that he said things like this, that his bones could not hold back God's word. For it was like fire shut up in his bones. He said, I'm weary for forbearing. I have to preach repentance and restoration and change. I have to tell them of the social injustices and the social unrest. I've got to stand up and speak and let it be known what God is feeling. It's not fun doing that. Jeremiah's at first. The reason why he was weary and forbearing, he's like, I'm uncomfortable preaching this. But he said, if I don't do it, he said, it's like fire shut my bones. I have to release what God's given me. Jeremiah didn't want to preach it because it made him feel very uncomfortable. Listen, when God does a breaking, we will become everything opposite of culture. 
The culture is always trying to bleed into our lives somehow. But let me tell you, spiritually, if you can see it, you can be it. If you can perceive it, you can receive it. If you can envision it, then you can live it out. But the God's greatest blessings comes from God's greatest breakings. It's in our brokenness that God does his greatest miracles. It's in our brokenness in the waiting many times, in the waiting when we worship and we've been faithful, and it seems like God still hasn't moved, but we're still not moving from that place of faith-filled, bold prayers before God, and we're interceding, and we're believing, and we're speaking faith and declaring things opposite of the culture that God begins to do a breaking and a miracle on the inside of us. Would it be so wrong for us to actually care for people on the behalf of God? Would it be so wrong for us to want to lay hands on the sick and then recover? Would it be so wrong for us to be the church that they come to, that the anxiety leaves and fear goes and sickness has to go, that the lost come and they can't help but to be saved, where the drug addicted comes and they are set free? During the pandemic, I got a little bit bored, so I sort of, Put my counseling degree in the secular work just a little bit. Didn't have to. Didn't need the money. They asked me. They didn't have counselors. And nobody was wanting to work in this certain location. So I done. I worked in addiction. I was counseling. Couldn't tell them I was a preacher. I was itching for the mask. They'd go home, Google me, come back. I'd have federal clients, state clients. They'd come in and see me. You're a pastor. I sure am. That opens the door right there. Because when they start talking spiritual, I can talk spiritual. They would get saved. They would cry out to God, the ones that would get saved or stay free from everything that they had ever dealt with in their past. I'm telling you, there's freedom when we pray bold prayers. And God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Can I tell you it will make you uncomfortable? I don't like to be uncomfortable. I like comfort. I told him in the 9 a.m. service, I, I like everything about camping but spending the night. I, I don't put me in no tent. I'm not sharing a camper with you. I'm not sleeping in a camper with you. I might be okay if I had my own camper, okay? But I love s'mores, but I want a holiday in bed. I love the fish. I don't mind that. The chicken liver all over me, the worms. I don't care to cut up fish and then bleed out on me. But I want to spend a night in a holiday in. When we go down to Bristol with my wife's family, we go down to visit them on the lake. I stay at Uncle Larry's house. Because I don't care how many mornings they want me to make my good homemade biscuits, and I make some good biscuits. I'll make them every morning to stay down there in that bed besides go out there and be in a tent somewhere by that lake. Why? Because I like comfort. I'm sorry, all right? I can be a wimp sometimes. But however, comfort will never move you to action. When you get uncomfortable, even in your spiritual state, that's when you move into action. Luxury in life will not move me to care for the things that matter to God. See, pain and suffering strengthen, and trials cause you to depend on God more. Radical prayers ask God to break their heart for what breaks his heart. Radical prayers make us uncomfortable and moves us into action. Radical prayers will move you from being self-centered to being God-centered. It was Moses with a broken heart that had returned back to Egypt because 
of everything being done to God's people. And he said, let my people go. It was David that took some lunch to his brothers that seen a giant out there at the Philistines. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of God? You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you to you with the name of the Lord of hosts. And he took the giant out, cut his head off, and declared victory. Today, we need to pray faith-filled, bold prayers. Nehemiah lived in the palace, had a comfortable life. He was a wine taster. I mean, he was comfortable as long as he lived after he tasted the wine. Life seemed to be good. But one day he heard that his people were struggling. He heard that the walls were abandoned and fallen. He began to get a heart for it because God began to break him. And he went to his king and said, let me go. Nehemiah knew nothing about building. He wasn't a builder. He was a wine taster. He used to being pampered. He's like Pastor Scotty here. He did not like camping. And he went out there and he began to build a wall. He found builders and workers. They had a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. And they built the wall back because someone had a burden. Radical prayers will break your heart and move you out of your comfort zone to the divine zone given by God. I want to be in the divine zone that God's called me to be in. There's so many things in my life that was only birthed out of radical prayer. Our church success was radical prayer. It ain't pastors. My ability, listen, when I get up to preach, I know it's not about my gifting and ability. I have to have God when I get up here. I have to have his anointing. I don't want to talk to your mind and your intellect. I want to speak to your spirit because that's what brings transformation. God's anointing on my spirit to your spirit is what brings transformation. I just don't want to stir your emotions. I want to see things changed. But it takes radical prayer to birth schools. It takes radical prayer to birth something like Bethesda. It takes radical prayer to continue to do the things that we do in ministry. we got to have it. Radical prayer is where it's at. Faith-filled, specific prayers. Philippians 3 and 5. This is the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to end with this today. Three quick scriptures. It says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was pure blood, a citizen of Israel, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. In other words, 613 laws I had to obey. He said, I was high up as you can be. He said, I, I, was, I was in high prestige position. The apostle Paul, before his conversion with Christ, had it all together. But one day, God wrecked him. And his heart began to break for the things that God's heart broke for. He got the heart of God. So he began to minister to the church and raise up the church. He prayed the things that wrecked God's heart would wreck his heart. Then Philippians 5, 7, and 8, we read this. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this, for this sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. That word garbage means dung or poo-poo. He said, all my accolades, every degree, every success, every worldly value, everything the culture has deemed as valuable, when I compare it to knowing God, it's nothing. It's nothing. He said, God wrecked me for what wrecks you. Break me for what breaks you. I'm telling you, that's a faith-filled prayer. It's a radical prayer. When your heart breaks for what God's heart breaks for, then something shifts on the inside of you. I love Romans 9, 1 through 3, last scripture today. It says, with Christ as my witness. He said, listen, my only witness on this, what I'm saying is Jesus. 
I speak with other truthfulness, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. He said, I have such a heart for those that I have served with and lived with, the Jewish brothers and sisters. He said, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. What, what a prayer. What? I mean, I don't, I, I've not reached that. But I've been broke before. The Apostle Paul says, Jesus, as my witness, I would go to hell if it would save all my Jewish brothers and sisters. I'm talking about a heart that breaks as God's heart breaks. What does that mean for us? It meant a school. For us, it means as many wells as I can dig, even if it's monthly in Africa. When I went to Uganda, my heart broke watching children drink out of water holes with malaria and typhoid and getting sick and dying. Looked at the wells that they went to. I watched them drink out of unclean water. Then I would look, go to the wells that we had dug and watch them drink out of clean water. And then when they would announce, this is his church and them doing that, they would just like cheer. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need no cheer. I'm not done enough. I'm broke. So if i got to dig more wells, I'll dig more wells. For you, it may be breaking and joining what this church's heart is already burdened and aching for. It may be something brand new. I don't know what it is. But God has something to get you out of your comfort zone into his divine zone. If you'll simply pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Here am I. Do what you have to do. Get out of me what you got to get out. Put in what you got to put in. But break me, God, because I need to do your will. Where it's more greater and there's more joy and more freedom in it than anything that culture or this world has to offer. Paul prayed these radical prayers. Jesus prayed radically. All through the scripture, radical prayers. Radical prayers don't play it safe. Radical prayers takes out spiritual apathy and comfort. Radical prayers brings you into your greatest blessings. It does not limit God. And radical prayers is a place of miracles. Will you stand with me today? God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Wreck me today, God, for what wrecks you. If every head bowed and every eye closed today, I want to talk to those that need to surrender. You may be here today, you're saying, Pastor Scott, you're talking about prayer and not feeling good enough to pray and I'm not where I need to be but I feel stirred to surrender my life and rededicate my life or maybe the first time ever you've ever given your life to Christ this is the day listen the Bible says that every man has measured has been given a measure of faith so you have the faith to believe today you was created with faith on the inside you have faith to pray this prayer and to believe I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to bring you up front not going to do that, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, Pastor Scotty, I want to surrender to Jesus today. I'm ready to enter into that relationship so I can begin to pray these prayers. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. If that's you today, you want to enter that relationship back with him. Will you raise your hand in the house today? Just keep it up for a moment for me to see. Will you say, that's me? Just hold your hand up just for a moment. I'm not going to stay here long, so if that's you, just put it up. We'll pray with you. If not, I'm going to go on. No pressure. God's dealing with you. Will you raise your hand and say, that's me? All right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. The 9 a.m., we had this altar full. 
I'm believing for the altar to be full here. I believe that God would not give me a message like this unless it would provoke our faith to be stirred and moved to pray such a prayer. Some of you need to pray prayers today specifically that takes the limits off. But some of you need to pray prayers like this. God, just wreck me. I don't know what it is you need me to do, but just wreck me, break me, use me. I'm the clay. Just mold me, make me. Break what's about to be broken. Remold me in the places that need to be remolded. So today, as they begin to do worship, if you want to move towards that and pray that radical prayers today, for God to do incredible things. If you need me to pray for you, I'll come down and I'll pray for you today. Just come to me. But for you, you just need a one-on-one with God, the petition heaven. One-on-one with God, God, break me, wreck me. Then I want you to come today. So as they begin to sing, as I begin to step down, I want you to move from your seat. Come to this altar today and say, God, break me for what breaks you and pray those limitless prayers that God has. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.